How you doing? Welcome to Podventure Time. Uh, hey there, Party Pat. How are you? Oh, you're already previewing a little bit. And actually, uh, I kind of am double Party Pat this week because not more than a, a little bit more than a week ago, I actually uh, partied with the party god himself. Andrew W.K. himself, the party god? Andrew W.K. himself was playing a show in St. Louis and uh my sister and jackie and i went and for most of the show i was the old grumpy anti-social man that i am and kind of stood in the back and bobbed my head and maybe danced around a little bit but then last few songs i couldn't help it i was overcome with the party and down into the mosh pit i went and it was a really good time oh man party pat lives Party Pat rules. Does he still, uh, does he end the shows with his like big hits or is, or is he the only new material these days? Uh, no, he did quite a bit of his new material, which is good. But then the last few songs were definitely I Get Wet songs. So okay. it was, I mean, I've never been to an Andrew WK show that I didn't think was totally awesome. So I was, yeah, it's just been party after party this week between Andrew WK and the kind of fan the reunion situation I was at. And then let's go ahead and uh, move into the episodes that we're going to talk about this week. They are season two, episodes 21 and 22. And the first one of those where Party Pat does make an appearance is called Belly of the Beast. Yeah, so for, for those who haven't uh, been following along with these amazing inside baseball jokes we've been making here, uh, inside Adventure Time jokes, we are talking this time about an episode where Finn and Jake find themselves awoken in the middle of the night by the sounds of a rampaging monster. And at first they think they're dreaming, and they kind of behave as though that they are dreaming, but that's quickly that, that uh, fantasy is quickly dispelled when... Jake gets, I think, kicked across almost all the the entire land of Ooh and has to fly back. That's right. Now, yeah. have you are you able to lucid dream? No, I I don't I'm not able to. I don't know that I ever even have accidentally. Oh, okay. I have on a few occasions. Usually it only happens for me during nightmares where something really awful is going on and I go, okay. This isn't real. And then if I focus on opening my eyes, I can wake myself up. But every once in a while, I'll have one of those cool, like, I can fly dreams. Or I have a lot of dreams where I can breathe underwater. And every once in a while, I'll be aware that it's a dream. And so I'll uh, get to kind of take full advantage of that. That never lasts very long. I usually wake up right after. But well, I was going to ask, how long do those, like, there's this, I think there's this myth out there, of, or maybe it's not a myth, but at least a preconceived notion that, like, people lucid dream and it lasts for hours and hours or something but like is it for you it's like it just it's like sort of as soon as you become aware of the dream it is a finite time before you're awake yeah i think once i become aware of the fact that i'm dreaming that's kind of starting the process of waking up and i have to work kind of hard actually to stay asleep and keep dreaming Mm -hmm. uh so finn and jake 
definitely believed that they were in a mutual lucid dream. Right. And they were, of course, disabused of that notion when Jake suffered violence. And then they realized that they needed to do something about this monster, which maybe one of the funniest moments of this whole episode, which I, I, I have to say straight up front is hilarious. Uh, I really love when the monster opens its mouth and kind of bellows and fireworks shoot out. Right. Yeah. It's, it's as he's roaring, he's just like, he's just shooting off uh, some pretty sweet little firecrackers. And uh, Finn and Jake are pretty ready to, well, I don't even, they may be even ready to just abandon the monster or they, or they want to fight him or they, but I think they quickly realize that there's a, a complication to their entire plan. And that's that there's something trapped inside the belly of the beast. They hear the name, they hear the name of the episode in their heads. Uh, not really. They, they, they realize that there's some shouting happening inside the belly and they decide that the plan has to be that they go inside the monster and free whoever's trapped inside this, this beast. Yeah. Whatever their plan was, once they hear someone in a, cute high-pitched voice saying help me help me they realize that they need to head inside the monster and rescue that poor soul that's right so they take advantage of the fact that the monster has been swallowing entire trees and they quickly hop on the trunk of one as it is lifted and tossed down the gaping maw of the beast and they find themselves inside the monster and i have to say i think uh i think one of the things i liked about this episode was how gung ho Finn was about this plan, and how sort of like, oh, all right, I guess uh, Jake was about the whole plan. Yeah, Finn is like down. He's down to party. He's down to get in, get in on this uh, inside the monster plan. And uh, even the way that they land inside the monster is sort of uh, indicative of this. Like Finn kind of does like a three point uh, superhero landing. Inside the monster, he lands on something hard, like a, a tree trunk or something. And Finn uh, and Jake just lands like gush, f- full on like monster guck inside. Yeah, the, uh, into uh, some sort of liquid, which yeah. he immediately, of course, declares is very gross. Yeah. And Finn then just does like a, a sort of rolling flip and sort of starts sliding down the esophagus or the, the, uh, yeah, the, digestive tract of this beast until they land in the what i suppose is the stomach or the intestines or something and they are presented with a scene that i think surprises them and it is uh the fact that they land in the midst of a rave it's a rave happening inside this monster and the people well i shouldn't say people the the creatures having a rave inside this monster are pretty hilarious ripoffs of what i would call care bears yes yeah i mean like little teddy bears with uh symbols drawn on their tummies so yeah as, pretty, as close to care bears as you can get without being uh in copyright violation but the uh the first little teddy bear that they meet who was screaming help and you know who they planned on saving once they get inside he says help me put up these streamers it's not right. a party without streamers that's right and Finn and Jake, of course, are thinking to themselves or saying out loud, you, you can't have a party in here. This is the inside of a monster. We got to get you out of here. 
and then they proceed further down the monster's gullet until they reach the the rather elaborate and banging club that the bears have established inside the monster. Yeah, like multiple DJ stages, a few like go-go cages, if I remember, like lots of dance stages, different dance floors, several bars. It is a, it's a fully tricked out club. And in solid EDM plan. Yeah, exactly. And everyone is into it. They are grooving, constant grooving, to the point where uh, Finn and Jake can't even really talk to them because the beats are too sick and the and the rhythm is too sweet and no one wants to have a conversation and no one especially wants to hear about anything about them being inside of a monster except for one except for one bear who overhears jake and finn trying to communicate with some bears unsuccessfully and a a little tiny bear kind of dances his way over to talk to them surreptitiously He is aware that he is being watched and he is aware that he should not be talking or he should at least not stop dancing, I suppose. Uh, And I can't remember the name of the bear now. Um, I'm pretty sure he's named Cubby. Cubby. Okay. Cubby bear, which I'm a big fan of, um, came over and said, hey, are you, were you just talking about us being inside of a monster? And Finn and Jake say, yeah. And he goes, I've been trying to tell all these fools that the entire time, but no one will listen to me. And, and to, as if to prove the point, all of a sudden another bear shows up and admonishes Cubby for, he's like, are you talking to these people? He's like, no, no, I'm, I'm just dancing for them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's like, okay. Um, yeah, the bears seem to have a strict policy against any sort of uh, downers. Yeah, uh, a non-party attitude of any kind it seems to be uh, to go against the ways of this tribe. So he, Cubby Bear, tells Finn and Jake that if he's gonna, if they're gonna convince anybody of anything, they first have to talk to the chief of the tribe, and that chief of that tribe is none other than Party Pat. Party Pat. So they get taken back into Party Pat's chambers yeah. where he is sleeping on he is a not sleeping. waterbed that appears to be made out of the monster's heart. Yeah, but he's not sleeping. He's just sort of lounging. That's true. Uh, dramatically or like, uh, I don't know what the right adjective here is, but very much lounging. And just uh, as Finn and Jake walk in, he is bemused to see them and... <laughs> My favorite moment of the whole episode is when they ask, are you party Pat? And he just silently reaches behind himself with his toes and pulls a, pulls a cord on a, a neon sign behind him that just says party Pat. (laughs) Yeah. Party Pat's got a pretty tricked out bachelor pad. Yeah. And he is just the coolest hipster, most chill party dude that you'll ever come across. Uh, yeah. And he is, uh, he dances, he doesn't walk anywhere, he grooves, I would say, he grooves everywhere. And Finn and Jake immediately try to implore them, implore him and, uh, and have an audience with, with Party Pat, but he's not having any of it. He, he says, he kind of does the, he does the like shush move, like put the finger against their mouths and shushes them and says, hey man, who am I? I'm the chief, and if you're going to talk to the chief... First, you have to party with the chief. Yes. So Finn and Jake agree that they are going to party with Party Pat uh, 
for the chance to have an audience with him. And the way that Party Pat acts, it's it's sort of he he plays the role, I think, of this one of those characters who shows you the meaning of what it is to party or at least to, you know, kind of step outside yourself. He's very calm and right. You know, he shushes them and he says, well, before you talk to the chief, you got to party with the chief. That's right. And so Finn and Jake head out. And they're partying, they're having a great time, they're drinking uh, honey-flavored energy drinks right? to the point where Jake gets nauseous. But everyone seems to be having a good time, and Finn and Jake are going along gamely. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. I think for Party Pat, he is he is not only the chief of this tribe, but also uh, like a spiritual leader in a way. Absolutely. He's a, he's a shaman, he's a... Uh, He's like the Jedi Knight of partying, uh, sort of. But he's, he's very much an evangelical Jedi Knight. He is spreading the good news of the party Bible. Yeah, so for him, it is, it's a way of life and a, and a, and a way of, of thinking. And Finn and Jake have a good time, but in the back of their minds, they are, they are doing this for pragmatic reasons. They are partying to appease Party Pat, in a way. And finally, they kind of see their moment and try to start talking to him about the fact that they're inside of a monster. And Party Pat plays a little prank on him, says, tries to, he gives them a, uh, I, I like this moment too, where he, he, he goes very, uh, very deep and very zen on them and says, you haven't been partying. You've been going through the motions of partying, but you haven't felt it in your heart is essentially what he says. You've got to yeah, I think he says, you've been dancing, but you haven't been feeling the music or something like that. And then right. he says, you've been eating pancakes, but you haven't been tasting. Right. And this is right in line with the sort of shaman show you how to be a partier character that Party Pat, that, that's the role that he's playing. And this, this falls right in line with it. Right. But then he just pulls a, nah, I'm just messing with you guys. <laughs> and, and says, yeah, what do you want to talk about? So Finn and Jake, you know, lay it on the line and say they say you know you got to get out of here because it's all well and good to be in the monster's stomach for now but eventually things in a stomach get digested and then it's bad news for those things they turn into the stuff they turn into the stuff which we know what that means that's what what come what comes after digestion and party pat is I think he hears them. He hears what they're saying, but he kind of says like, all right, well, let's go talk to people about this. And so Party Pat gets up on stage and gives a gives a speech, says like kind of calms down the crowd momentarily, turns off the music and then says, hey, man, uh, we're these two guys say that uh, <laughs> that we're not in a cave and everyone's kind of goes, what, huh? We're not in a cave. He goes, and then he does like a, we're in the belly of a monster. Like, and the music and lights yeah, start up yeah. and the party goes on raging. Right. Like, like a, like hello Cleveland kind of moment. And, and the crowd goes wild. And, uh, Finn and Jake are just dumbfounded. They're dumbstruck that, uh, that no one is taking this problem seriously. So they're a little dejected. They actually go up and sit wistfully in the mouth of the monster and just like kind of sit on its teeth and look out across the sky. 
Yeah, they're kind of faced with this issue of how do you help someone who doesn't want to be helped, and so they right. head up and they're looking at the monster's mouth, and I think one of them remarks that it's actually kind of pretty. Right. And then one of them, I believe it's Finn, says, well, I hope that he doesn't swallow any hot lava because that would definitely be bad for the bears. Right. Not realizing, of course, that the monster, they being inside of his head, can hear every word that they say. Right. And the monster, you kind of realize all of the activity to this point that he has been exhibiting, the stomping and the swallowing of trees and sort of the the shouting and the anger, is all basically based on the fact that he has a bunch of bears partying in his stomach that he's trying to get rid of. And so you hear you, he hears Finn or Jake say, oh, well, if you just swallowed some lava, that would kill everything inside. And he the light bulb goes off and he's like, Ur? and you see from Finn and Jake's perspective, all of a sudden the mouth turns and their, their viewing portal out of the mouth looks straight at a volcano and he- starts heading for it. And they realize that what they've done and they immediately run in back inside the, the party zone to try to warn the bears. And they, uh, they realize the only way that they're going to be able to speak to the bears who are partying so hard is that they're going to have to be downers. I love this so much. Yeah, they're going to have to be downers to really just like put a damper on the party so that they can get a word in edgewise. And so they grab a couple mics from the karaoke stage and turn on some track that then they start ad-libbing a song to, which is uh, which is great. I can't do it justice to like re-sing it here, but the the basic gist of it is them listing foods they like and how they're dead. Yeah, it's this sort of uh, very sad country song about right. my hot dog's dead. My hot dog's dead. My pizza's dead. My cupcake is dead. Oh, uh, my donut's dead. My burger's dead. My milkshake is dead. All of our favorite foods are totally dead. They cannot procreate in little food beds. We'll eat them up and turn them into stuff. And we'll cry over their graves, but you can't cry enough. When, when you, you miss, miss someone you love, you can't Talking about things dying enough. in one's stomach, essentially. It's very apropos of the, of the problem that they're facing. Yes, and this is enough to sort of bring down the party atmosphere, which enables them to be able to talk to the bears. Right. They only have a moment to do it, though, frankly, because as soon as they start saying, like, hey, there's going to be some lava coming down this gullet soon... No sooner do they say it than do the does a wave of lava start flowing down the esophagus. And at this point, everyone panics. They ask Party Pat, is there a second way out? And a couple jokes about, like, buttholes are made, essentially. Like, the, the, un, the abandoned dark mine is essentially right. where they're going to head out. I think even people, a couple of the bears, like, chuckle as if they're in on, like, they, they're just sort of acknowledging the double entendre it's not really a double entendre they're, they're acknowledging the metaphor and so they all but they all run for their lives out the only other way 
out of an of a digestive tract. It's a, this is a a standard two way digestive tract that this monster has. There's no there's no additional stomachs or anything like in a cow, and so they are running down to freedom. And it's a uh, it's a race against lava, and they kind of do a smash cut away from that, and and we end up outside. We never see any. Uh, we don't get any graphic exit exit footage. Yeah, we're spared the details. Yeah, they end up out on the grass, and uh, and Finn and Jake are bandaging up every every last bear who's all of them have been injured in some way, and they pan back, and even you see that the the monster is injured as well. Because he just swallowed lava. He's sort of like holding his tongue like it's burned. And uh, he has a large bandage over his posterior because several hundred bears and some lava just came out of that region. So he's he's probably doing not great. It's definitely a cut off your nose to spite your face type situation. Yeah. You know, swallow lava to get rid of the bears. <laughs> right, exactly. But... The the problem hasn't been solved. I mean, well, they've they've solved one problem, but now they've created a new one. And that the bears, they need a place to party. It's their way of life. They are super bummed. There's yeah. no way that they're going to be able to go on without partying. Yeah, and the monster's stomach was just the perfect place. And Finn or Jake, one of them suggests that you know, like, really the only reason the monster was angry about this whole situation was because of the fireworks. Those were super painful. And so then I think Finn whispers a suggestion to Party Pat. And then Party Pat goes up to the monster and sort of says, you know, hey, great monster, if you'll allow us back into your stomach to party, we promise that we'll do our partying with super gentle lasers instead. So basically just like laser pointers, rave style laser pointers. And they all shine these laser pointers into the sky and the monster kind of looks and grins and seems on board with the plan. And then uh, moments later, you see the monster wa- happily standing there as you hear dance music emanating from inside of it. And as the monster opens his mouth, several hundred laser, like a laser light show kind of erupts from his mouth. But he's totally fine with the plan. He's totally happy with the situation. The bears are back where they want to be. So in the end, Finn and Jake do save the day and they, they make everyone happy. Yeah, the monster is perfectly happy to have the bears inside of his mouth as long as they're no longer shooting off fireworks, Right, which goes back to explaining the first hilarious joke in this episode. And so we <laughs> kind of end the episode with the monster having laser lights blasting out of his mouth in a, another hilarious sort of visual gag. Yeah, visual gags are plenty in this episode. So... um What's your take on this one? What uh, One of your faves? One of the top ones? Uh, an okay one? Where are you at? This is honestly, this is one of my favorites just because it's so, I thought it was hilarious. I thought that there were a ton of great jokes. The sad country song that Finn and Jake sing is incredible. The fireworks and the lasers shooting out of the monster. Party Pat is hilarious. I, I thought that there were just so many good jokes in this episode Yeah, that... You know, despite the fact that, again, we didn't learn that much about Finn or Jake, it was just hilarious, and I love this episode. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I really liked this episode, too. I think that the... I found that, like, my enjoyment of Adventure Time has become very, very much aligned to whether or not I enjoy the... of a a given episode, that is, 
Um, it, it's very much aligned to whether or not I like the secondary characters, like mm-hmm. in the episode. Like my my enjoyment of an episode really doesn't usually revolve around Finn and Jake. It's more about the characters they meet in that particular episode. I like Finn and Jake as a uh, ongoing thread as the narrative driver of the whole series but really like there have been some episodes this season that have been fantastic in terms of like either fleshing out the character a character that already existed or just introducing a new hilarious group of people or characters like the a tribe of bears that just that whose whose only purpose in life is to party rave style and and all the things that they have they all the things they have going uh is great i really like that and like other examples would be like the dark side of peppermint butler that's sort of been revealed this season all those things have been if i were to like go back and list my favorite parts this season and i know we're not at the end yet but we're getting there so i think i've just been thinking more about like what have i liked this season maybe more than the first season and it's like the char- the the secondary characters that they're really building out is really starting to make this show for me yeah, I think that Finn and Jake are running into more fully formed characters as opposed to plot devices. I agree. Yeah, and they're always going to have plot devices. They're all, that's just the nature of a 10-minute show. They always have to jump forward in ways that a regular show wouldn't. But uh, yeah, man, like Party Pat and and all the bears that they talked to all had like interesting but like ridiculous personalities and i really liked it i really liked this episode a lot it was just a solid standalone episode yeah and i also really like the ending that essentially nothing has changed except that they have managed to sort of broker a truce between the bears and the monsters we start off with this assumption that hey bears you're partying in a monster's belly that can't possibly be good but after all, it's just okay as long as they're not shooting off fireworks. Yeah, and I kind of liked the sort of role reversal they did with these characters in that like the huge horrifying monster is actually the more sympathetic character in this in this instance because and the and the hu- cute adorable bears are essentially a parasite within the within the monster. Like the monster is just trying to live its life. He just wants to get rid of this parasitic colony of bears. They you know, they the the bears are trying to get squatters rights in his stomach and he's trying to get rid of them. So I think that that was, I think that was an, an extra cute, an extra joke that I liked about the whole episode. It was just like taking a cute character and making them, they weren't villains, but they certainly were, they were the problem more than the monster was the problem. Yeah. The monster certainly wasn't an evil monster and the bears weren't evil either. They just happened to love partying in the monster's belly. And I'm, I'm thrilled that they were able to work out an arrangement. Yep. Symbiosis is a beautiful thing. So yeah, I, I liked it. I think it's a good one. I recommend it. Solid episode. Shall we move on? I suppose we shall. We're going to move on to episode 22 of season two, and that one's called The Limit. The Limit. This episode has another, I would say, great secondary character, a set of secondary characters I, w- I really like all of the different princesses that exist in the land of Ooh. Uh, mm-hmm. I, they're very they're very much a feature of the show, a staple of the show. Essentially, any world they go to has a princess, either presiding over it or at least is one of the inhabitants. And uh, today's episode features one of those princesses. It's Hot Dog Princess, who we have seen before. Yes, uh, voiced voiced by Maria Bamford, uh, as she voices a ton of 
characters in the show, but uh, she does a great voice for Hot Dog Princess. And Hot Dog Princess and Jake and Finn are hanging out just under the stars, having a nice night. While, but then something happens that sends Finn and Jake off on an adventure. They they get a distress call from the Hot Dog Knights, which are knights who have, a, I guess, sworn allegiance to Hot Dog Princess. But they're literally like little hot dogs wearing armor. Armor hot dogs. That's a thing. I just got that. <laughs> Well done. My grandfather worked for Armor for his entire career. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He was in the processed meat sales business. Slanging those tube steaks. I know the jingle, but uh, it is... uh... My dad's family, so the Armor brand of dog food was called Snapper, as I understand it. And so my dad's family growing up had two or three or maybe even four dogs named Snapper. Really? The dog was named yeah. Snapper and was eating Snapper brand food, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's that's my understanding anyway. That that may be apocryphal or there may, may be some sort of misunderstanding on my part, but the the multiple Snappers I know is true, and I'm almost certain that my dad has explained it to me that the reason that they did that is because the man. Armor brand dog food was called Snapper. Your grandpa sounds like a company man through and through. That is He is, and it also may have had something to do with my grandmother who as soon as she got a cat later in life named it Tiger. I don't get it. She was not one for thinking up original or cute nicknames for pets. Got it. Okay. Got it. I have to imagine that from a dog's point of view, the dog food that is made by the hot dog company might be the best dog food you could ever have in your life like if it's coming i mean if it's coming out of the same factory where hot dogs are coming from that's gonna be some good dog food yeah i mean it let's be honest it is the hot dogs they just didn't put it inside of a case right yeah that's exactly it or it's 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 the it's hot dog sweepums or whatever you want to say like the stuff that fell on the factory floor and they not 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 uh not fit for human consumption but still by no means like bad meat yeah, as they're rendering the beef or the pork or whatever, I'm sure that plenty falls on the floor, and so they shovel it up, and half goes into hot dogs, and half goes into dog food. Uh, so you know that like there's that uh, party. It's it's like it's it's like an off-brand Chex mix or something like that, but it's it's like a it's like party mix, but it's got it's sort of like they're not actually Doritos, but it's sort of got like a nacho cheese Dorito style chip in there, and some pretzels, and like it's I, I can't remember what it's called, but it's just like this off-brand party mix like a gardetto situation yeah but more more like with more like cheddar dust on it like more gotcha and uh and and carolyn and i just call that brand sweepums because it, (laughs) it really just feels like like someone goes through a broom like at the dorito factory and the pretzel factory and and a few other factories and then just sweeps them all into a bin and starts selling that yeah, there's someone on the Dorito conveyor belt line just, like, grabbing the ones that are too small and tossing them over their shoulder. Yes. <laughs> Do you know that you can buy Doritos seasoning packets these days, like in the grocery store? You can just buy Doritos dust, essentially. <laughs> what do you do with that? I think it's like you use it like taco seasoning or something. I think you just, like, put it on meat, whatever, however you, fe- however you see fit. Maybe put it in, uh, maybe mix it with ranch. Okay. Maybe mix it with ranch, make like a cool ranch dressing or something like that. 
It's just like Doritos dust, like just in little packets like you would buy, like fajita seasoning packets from McCormick or something. So you're telling me that the stuff I have left on my fingers, yeah. that's marketable. Oh, man, they are. Like, like Sweepums is a real industry here, man. Like the stuff on the floor is, is that's sellable. Yeah. Ah, capitalism. <laughs> that's efficiency in capitalism, I suppose. It's the whole buffalo, man. Um, the uh, where, where were we? All right, where so... Were we? <laughs> So they find out that the hot dog knights have managed to get themselves yeah. trapped in a labyrinth. Yes. At the center of which is some sort of mechanism for having your wishes granted. Yeah. And we should say, so you have a sense of beyond the hot dog knights just being hot dogs wearing armor. The hot dog princess uses a single word to describe their personalities. And that is, uh, it's an offensive word, but it, it, she just describes them as slow and right but and we kind of learned that over time that these guys are not the brightest bulbs in the uh they're not the brightest bulbs and they're also kind of assholes quite frankly a bit yes uh selfish for sure uh yes uh so we so finn and jake never wanted to shy shy from an adventure say sure they'll go rescue these hot dog knights who are trapped in a labyrinth and so they head off to the labyrinth and they get there and Jake always won to, he's never one to like exert too much effort, says, you know, like I can stretch. Why don't we like, why do we have to go through a whole labyrinth? I'll just stretch up and over the walls and we'll just see where the end is and, and end up there. But this, they're quickly dissuaded of that when a magical sign appears next to the door that just says like, if you cheat, you die. Right. So Jake's powers in terms of stretching over things are going to be useless, but they come up with a clever way to use Jake's stretching powers in another way. They take a page out of Hansel and Gretel's book and they say, well, let's just leave a trail for ourselves to get out of the labyrinth once we found the hot dog nights. And the trail they're going to leave is Jake in the sense that he's going to use his stretching powers and tie off at the entrance of the of the labyrinth. And he'll just stretch his way, whichever way they twist and turn, he'll just stretch and stretch and stretch and until they find him. And then they'll just sort of follow his body backwards like a trail of breadcrumbs out the, out of the, back out of the labyrinth. Seems Exactly. What could go wrong? Solid plan. And uh, in fact, it's so solid that they get, in, they get into the labyrinth and I think they don't even make a turn, maybe one turn. And they, you know, they're kind of talking about like how long it's going to take to find the hot dog nights when all of a sudden... There they are. The like the hot dog knights basically got lost seventeen feet into the labyrinth. Yeah, those dudes are not very lost. Yeah, the uh, we start to get a glimpse of what Hot Dog Princess was getting at uh, with her description of them, and they they freak out. They think that Finn and Jake are there to kill them. They quickly tell them, "No, we're here to save you," and they say, "Well, that's great." And the episode nearly ends there because they're all saying, well, that's great. Like, we'll just follow Jake back out of the labyrinth and three out of the problem solved. Three out of the four are kind of like on board. And then one of the hot dogs just apropos of nothing walks up and just goes, there's a beast at the center of this labyrinth that grants wishes. And that is way too much for anyone to resist, particularly Finn and Jake, I think, who... <laughs> share a very specific wish to which they keep referring right and it is of course the ancient psychic tandem war elephant right uh to give you a visual on this they they sort of have a joint daydream about this at the beginning of the episode but it's a it's a dual-headed 
war elephant that can fly and is psychic, of course, and is ancient um, and can breathe fire and shoot, has some weapons, like some uh, guided weapon systems enhanced on it in some way. It's, it's a it's a pretty tricked out elephant for sure. Yeah, it is a, a, a very effective and deadly weapon if it wants to be. So, faced with the knowledge that there is a possibility of a wish being granted at the center of this labyrinth, and they know exactly what they would wish for uh, if they got it, Finn and Jake say, you know, we've already got this great plan, essentially, to get out of the labyrinth. Why don't we go a little bit further? What can go wrong? I think they've all, in the back of their minds, they've got the failsafe of, like, if things get too hairy, they can always just get out of there by following Jake back. Yeah, and they also have no reason to believe that Jake's powers would fail in any way. Right, and they have the additional incentive that the hot dog knights are on board with the plan and are very encouraging. They, like, they shout Jake's name because they think he's so cool for being able to do what he can do. So Jake is on board with the plan. Finn, Finn thinks it's great too. And they all set off. But quickly this labyrinth and, and the chance of getting a wish, they realize that that's not going to come without some sort of cost, without some sort of challenge being faced. And the first of those challenges they come across is a, a stone golem that they have to fight. A pretty standard labyrinth monster if i have to say yes they fight it and they overcome it uh jake actually figure finally overcomes it by just stretching some more becoming a um a rope and kind of tying off this thing just kind of doing a uh a star wars at at move yeah rope off the legs and thing goes crashing down but jake's the rope in this case but at this point i think we start to realize that Jake has stretched very, very far. Right. And it's and Finn starts to become worried, or at least concerned. Yeah, Finn, I think, kind of does a cost-benefit analysis, and as much as he would like to have a ancient psychic tandem war elephant, he would much rather have Jake be okay. And so he kind of starts thinking about heading back, but the, <laughs> the hot dog knights are not about to give up. And they realize, I think because Jake tells them, that if they just chant his name, he will succumb to peer pressure and do whatever they want. Right, yeah. Jake is easily influenced. And so they and they do. They are they are chanting his name and they want those wishes and they just keep chanting Jake, Jake, like cheerleaders, basically. Jake, Jake, he's our man kind of thing. And Jake says, Jake, Jake gets invigorated and says, let's do it. And so he keeps going on. And, and Finn at this point is kind of like going, well, you know, it's Jake's body, like he knows his limits, so he'll he's he's concerned, but he's going along with it. Yeah, and there are several times where Jake seems to indicate that he can't go on, but just with a little more encouragement from the hot dog nights, he keeps on stretching, and Finn keeps getting more worried. Right, it gets pretty extreme. Um, they get to the point where they've reached close to the end of the labyrinth, probably a final puzzle that they have to uh, achieve. The final puzzle being one of those like slide slide tile puzzles where you have to like rearrange the tiles to make a picture. In this case, it's the picture of a cat, but they're big stone stone tiles instead of like a little plastic toy. Right, and no one else can reach them besides Jake. And Jake at this point is stretched 
you think to the limit, literally, he's so far stretched that he can't close his eyelids because they're so taut. And Finn is just like, no, man, okay, we're done. We're done here. But the hot dog knights chant once more and Jake, Jake goes, nope, I'm going for it and stretches up and he achieves the puzzle. He solves it. He opens up the door to the final wish chamber and Finn kind of says, man, you did it. Like you just did it. Like we're here. So let's you, you pushed yourself and we finally got to the final chamber. So might as well go get the wish at this point. So they head on in. But the hot dog nights are again a complication, and one of the hot dog nights has slipped away, and because of his just love of kitty pictures, he knocks into the puzzle, knocks it out of its sacred holding spot, and it breaks on the floor. And just as Jake is saying something to the effect of like, man, I am stretched so paper thin, all of my internal organs are so vulnerable right now, basically is what he says a giant stone door comes crashing down on his body. And and this at, at this point, Jake is like, oh man, that's not good for me. It's clear that it is killing him at this point. Right. Jake really is no more, he's no thicker than one of the hot dog knights at this point because he has stretched himself so far. Right. And he keeps running up against these barriers where it's like he could not possibly go any farther and yeah, then he gets squished and who knows what internal organs sustain damage. But man, that wish is so close at this point. Yep. Well, they get to the they get to the final chamber and and the guardian of the wishes appears. It's sort of a mud covered salamander snake kind of creature and just says, yep, here they are. Come and get them. And Finn says, you know, well, I'm going to use my wish to make you better, Jake. And Jake's like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. And or or they'll solve. They'll Finn will use his wish to make Jake better, and then Jake will use his wish to uh, wish for the the uh, the war elephant, the ancient ancient war elephant. But while they're kind of having a discussion, one of the hot dog knights just can't control himself anymore, and just like, yeah, I'm gonna go get my wish, and goes running across this field to the wish chamber, but instantaneously. <laughs> steps on some sort of pressure plate trap which triggers like a bull uh triggers like a wrecking ball and and the the hot dog knight is gruesomely killed by yeah he's obliterated by this wrecking ball and everyone kind of is t- everyone is definitely taken aback at that moment and so we've got another obstacle in yeah. front of us and the obstacle course the gauntlet seems too difficult even for finn to hop across probably right. and so the hot dog knights, they really want their wishes, and so they, Jake, 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 they get him to try and stretch across to where the wishes can be granted. Yeah, and I think uh, even in this uh, instance, Finn realizes that that's the only way that it's going to work. Even Finn plays into this strategy at this point. Like, he doesn't like it, but he just starts chanting Jake's name because he realizes Jake is the only way they're going to get across. So... Right, and they need those wishes in order for Jake to be okay. Right, they need it. So it's uh, the ends justify the means situation for for Finn. He's gonna push. He's gonna push Jake further than he ever should. But um, he knows that he's got a he's got a a fail safe plan on the other end in the form of a wish. So he does do it though. Jake stretches across. He becomes as thin as a pencil 
Uh, he's he's stretched so much, but he makes it across, and the creature guarding the wishes grants each one of the remaining cre- remaining living people, which is two hot dog knights and Finn and Jake. Uh, they each get a wish, and he he offers a sort of a phrase of warning, cryptic kind of, you know, there's no do- there's no going back, and be careful what you wish for, kind of thing. Yeah, in pretty much every situation where you get a wish, there is a catch. However, the hot dog knights don't even bother to <laughs> don't even bother to wish for something that could be a catch. They just go ahead and uh, one of them wishes for a box, I believe. Right, which is which is instantaneously granted. It's just a tiny little cardboard box. Yeah, like great job, you got a box. Yep. And the other one says, uh, "I wish to blow up." You know, like right. and he's like, you know, like get big, but like he doesn't have time to say the second part of that phrase, and he just explodes. Yeah, so that's kind of a uh, a tiny pianist type wish, uh-huh. but yeah, the the hot dog knights do not use their wishes wisely, so it's up to Finn and Jake to see what they can do to get at least themselves out of there. And Jake is feeling pretty bad, and as Jake is wont to do, he he he's got a hankering for a sandwich yeah he doesn't have much of a filter he speaks his mind he speaks a kind of stream of consciousness and he says you know i'm so weak i don't even have enough energy to make a to do this right i i wish i had a sandwich or i wish he says i wish i wasn't so wish hungry i wasn't so right hungry now. right and all of a sudden so his wish has been used and a hoagie appears on top of him that he reaches up and takes a bite out of. So Jake has gotten his wish. Yep. He is at least mildly satisfied. But then Jake really, uh, I think, kind of takes the heroic tack here. And he says, you know what, Finn? You don't have to use your wish to save me. I know that I know how badly you want the ancient psychic tandem war elephant. Please just go ahead and wish for that. But Finn is quite conflicted. Yeah, he is. It takes a moment and you see that the inner turmoil is just out of, reflected on his face. But Jake saying, you know, do it for me. Wish for the elephant for me because Jake wants Finn to have it too, just as much as Finn wants to have it. And so he finally says, fine, I wish for the, ta- the ancient tandem psychic elephant, war elephant. You're going to get it eventually. Yeah. I mean, it's like several adjectives, you guys. It's, they're, they're all in there. It's just the order's wrong. You should be happy that I mostly say Finn and Jake correctly at this point. Yeah, no, you're doing, you're doing pretty good on the F and J front. All right. Uh, the, the wish is granted, and exactly as Finn and Jake had imagined it, this creature, this majestic creature, appears in the space. And Jake reminds Finn... The way to master this beast is that you cannot control it. You must let it give you control. Yes, it has to give you control. You can't just take over and boss around the ancient psychic tandem war elephant. Remember, it has to give you control. And so Finn climbs up the elephant, establishes a psychic link, and uh, has a brief conversation with the beast where the where uh, the elephant asks if Finn is indeed worthy of being its master. And and Finn's response is, you know I am, you're psychic. (laughs) Uh, And and at that point, the bond is established. And and then Finn 
Finn pulls a move that even the Guardian doesn't, I think, expect. The Guardian of the Wishes doesn't expect. I think on a technicality, because there's a new creature in the space, it is also yeah. it is also granted a wish. And Finn orders his elephant to wish for all of Finn's buddies to be back and healthy. And the, and the elephant says something to the effect like, I wish for what Finn desires. <laughs> and Jake and all four hot dog knights are back alive, sitting on the back of this uh, huge war elephant. And the, uh, the guardian of the wishes is, is, is beside himself with anger. He says, you weren't supposed to get your wishes. You were supposed to die. Uh, but Finn and Jake say uh, no thanks and the war ele- and they all fly off on the back of the war elephant out of the labyrinth and out of the episode and that's how we end so yeah. everyone well not everyone i guess got their wishes but finn and jake definitely ended up with the elephant that they were looking for yeah and uh i don't know i thought this was a i thought this was a pretty good episode yeah i mean it was this was all built on a you know it's weird to say it was built on a ridiculous premise because the whole show is. But right. The whole episode hinged on a single joke, essentially. Uh, a single plot hook, a single thing, which was that, like, Jake is clearly pushing himself too far. And every time he does push himself a bit further, like, something funnier happens or something more ridiculous happens. Yeah, I think that there are two things that are interesting here. One is that Jake is so susceptible to peer pressure, which I suppose is something that we would expect anyway, just kind of based on Jake's personality. And the other is that for the first time, I think we're forced to actually reckon with the fact that as magical as Jake is, there may be limits to his power. Yeah, and I think like in the past, it's been it's been referenced like he can get like when he expands and contracts a bunch, like there've been times where he's been like super like flabby or like, like excess skin is like, has been an issue. Like sometimes, like sometimes like, like there, there are ramifications sometimes for his like stretching abilities. He can usually rectify it pretty quickly, but it's not, uh, it's never been to this extent. He's never actually pushed, been pushed so far that he couldn't, that he pushed beyond like what he could even sustain. But uh, yeah, I think that we've seen yeah. Jake have, you know, kind of take a minute to recover. Right. But in this one, it's it's repeatedly like, I, I cannot do this. And, and sure, right. he he finds the ability to pretty much do whatever needs to be done. But, um, right. you know, but, for, for, but for, for hilarious reasons, right? It's not the story of Jake pushing himself beyond his limits in order to save his friend or some do something truly heroic. Yes. Like, He's like we, self, we don't learn. He's don't selfishly learn. going after a wish and being egged on by sort of jackass hot dogs. Yeah, we we don't learn just how far Jake will uh, sort of sacrifice himself and stretch his abilities to accomplish a worthwhile goal. He's just keeping on stretching because the hot dog knights are really good at peer pressuring him. Right. So, a funny gag that the whole episode hinges on. Not, I would say not as good as the first episode that we talked about, but funny enough. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think that the first episode that we talked about, I think Belly of the Beast is one of my favorites just because I find it really, really funny. This one had its funny moments. I thought the hot dog nights being such a bunch of little 
manipulative jerks and greedy uh, was pretty funny. Yeah. But, and I also really like the ancient psychic tandem war elephant. But overall, you know, it was it was another quest where they go through a labyrinth or a dungeon or whatever. And interesting things happen, but it didn't blow me away. Yeah, I agree. I love the hot dog nights. I think I'd love to see more hot dog nights in the future. They made this episode for me. The rest of the episode was okay, but like the hot dog nights were the best part. So, uh, two funny episodes. We're getting close to the end of the season here. And uh, I think we're going to take a different tact with the final four episodes than we have in the past. So, we should probably explain that to the audience going forward. Yeah. So, we've got two episodes of the podcast left uh, in season two, which means there are four episodes of Adventure Time left. And it's kind of weird because if we go two by two, then we will split up episodes 24 and 25. And 24 is a specific cliffhanger for episode 25, which really functions more as the season finale. And actually, I I, I realized why they did this. I was kind of confused as to why. So 23 and 26 are just kind of normal episodes and i kind of wondered and they, they did this at the beginning or they did this at the end of season one as well they threw in that gut grinder episode what i realized is that the sort of for lack of a better term throwaway episode at the end of the season is so that they could have space in between the the two episodes that serve as the finale and there's a you know there's a to be continued in between them so if they did those back to back we because these aired uh, two at a time if they did those if they aired those at the same time then the cliffhanger wouldn't have as much effect so we get 23 and 24 and we get 25 and 26 but we because we want to handle 24 and 25 as the real end of season two finally next week we're going to be talking about episodes 23 and 26 and then finally we'll finish up season two with 24 and 25 i couldn't be clearer right I think we've got I think we've got it. I think all you need to know, folks, is that we're gonna talk about two episodes again the next time, but it just won't be uh the two next consecutive episodes in the actual uh series. Yeah. That's right. So for those of you who are watching along, please uh your homework is episodes twenty-three and twenty-six for next time. Uh I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be good. Uh, I'm looking forward to wrapping up this season two. We'll have some fun stuff probably at the end of that season that we'll do here on the podcast uh as we did at the end of season one so uh lots of good stuff coming up yeah i am very much looking forward to 24 and 25 they are excellent episodes and yeah i'm also looking forward to seeing what we do to wrap this up for those of you out there listening who might have ideas on what you want to hear on the season two finale or if you have questions or anything that you want us to answer uh i think audience questions would be a good segment if we manage to get any of those yeah send them in in any case we will keep moving on through season two we're just about done and i think this is kind of where we wrap it up so of course when we wrap it up i always thank my good friend will yates for our intro and outro music that song is called date night it's off of his ep I know the feeling. You can head to wheelieates.bandcamp.com and pay what you want for that EP as well as another newer EP. He's also streaming on all of those places that send him fractions of pennies. So 
please listen to Will Yates. He's a really tremendous electronic musician. And as always, thank you, Will. And Ben, you want to ask people to shout at us on Twitter or whatever? Shout at us on Twitter or whatever. You should do that. You should Twitter Twitter us and Facebook us. And we've got a sweet uh, Facebook group uh, the that exists for you guys to chat out, you know, that the that uh, we would love to chat with you. Man, that was bad. Uh, use, use the social webs to talk to us, you guys. Right. You can find us on Twitter at PodVentureTime. There's a Facebook page for the podcast called PodVentureTime, which you should like and you should encourage your friends to like. And then we have a group which I have cleverly titled the Treehouse Treasure Room, Uh referencing of course the treasure room in the treehouse and uh yeah we we want to hear from you so um let us know if you have questions about the end of season two let us know if there are things that you like or don't like let us know if you agree or disagree um we like to have listeners and we like to know that people are listening so feel free to reach out at any time that's literally what i said pat i don't know why you repeated everything i said i thought that maybe your levels were a little bit off oh all right, that's fair. Um, and by your levels, I mean making sense. <laughs> that's, All right. That's also fair. Well, I think that we have come to a, a the end of another episode of Podventure Time. So until next time, of course, I've been Pat. And I've been Ben. And this has been Podventure Time. Hear me, monster. My people and I wish to party inside you once more. Prithee, take us upon thine gut, and we shall party no more with fireworks, but instead with gentle lasers. I had to look that one up because uh, I think we stepped on all of my other oh, man. lines. This is the first time maybe that's happened. <laughs>